Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. So as Steve said just a minute ago, my name is Alex White. I am the youth and family pastor here at FBC, and it's my privilege this morning to uh, deliver the message, uh, and like Steve was saying just a second ago as well, it's we're going to be taking a little bit of a, not a break, because this is where the, the Gospel Project runs us through, but it's kind of like a little detour. So a sideways detour. Um, and yeah, we're going to be talking about the Prince of Peace. And we're on the eve of Christmas Eve. So like, before Christmas Eve, so this is like the hype before the hype. Um, all the excitement of the season is coming to a head. We have family coming from all around. Like I see a lot of uh, visiting faces, so it's great to see. And they're gathering all under one roof so we can have our food. Um, if anybody remembered last year, we shot a video, and uh, Brad McKinnon had... One thing he liked about Christmas more than anything else, and it was the food, the food, and the food. And um, so there's food, there's gifts. Uh, kids are getting excited about opening their gifts. And I have really a lot of fond memories uh, over Christmas. This is really one of my most favorite times of the year. Um, and I have fond memories with my family. So like Christmas Eve, we would end up at my dad's parents' where we would have um, like a little supper to get ready and we would all go out as the white family. So like it was actually quite a huge clan in Bathurst. We'd take up like half a section in the Catholic church and it's a great big Catholic church that we used to go to. And we'd take up this whole section. Like right there, it'd be like you guys. That would be the white clan. Um, but it was a memory that we got to go and eat. We'd go to midnight mass, and after midnight mass, we'd go around, and we'd look at all the nice nice little um, houses with their lights on, and it's like, okay, kids, we're going to the rich part of town. Let's all look at the nice lights. <laughs> I think that was Ian that posted that. But, and then, then I go to my grandparents on my mom's side, so the Gallagher side, and we would go, and we'd have Christmas supper together. And again, one of my fondest memories, and that wasn't the food, it wasn't the gifts, it was, it was we're all together as one family, all my cousins and my aunts and uncles, we gathered together in this little house, and we'd be playing cards with my grandparents, and, and well, my grandmother, who was the cheater beyond all cheaters. <laughs> you have an ace of hearts, right? Okay, let's play. I, she would blatantly cheat in front of everybody. But that was part of Christmas. You didn't, you didn't get away from it. But as I mentioned just a second ago, one of my favorite things is gifts. I do love gifts. I love giving gifts, and I love receiving them. Just a note. <clears throat> oh, unless it's Linda's coal. That was delicious. Um, how many of us here have all of our Christmas shopping done? Can we just raise our hands? Who has all the Christmas shopping done? We're all done. We're good to go. Okay, now here's the real question. Who doesn't? All the planners are now judging you. I'm just kidding. We love you. It's a grace-filled church. You're, you're forgiven. But for those who are prepared, like me, 
I thank my wife. I didn't have to do much of it. I didn't even have to wrap it. Because I think a wise person once said, wise person once said, um, you may be wearing the pants, but she chose them for you. <laughs> Andrew Shannon. <laughs> like I said, I like opening and receiving gifts, but one of the, one of the things I really... I'm looking forward to now, and which you didn't as a younger person, was that underwear and clothes gift. Like, I always appreciated them, but by the end of the year, that stuff was getting tired and needed to be replaced. But, um, like I said, I always look forward to those gifts, but the other thing is gift giving can be awkward, is when it's that secret Santa gift, and you have no idea who that person is you're buying for. It, that is awkward. I had something like that we did... Uh, I do something called Katie Thursday. And I got a name, and I was like, I had to go to the person to organize. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> I had to write some heartfelt message. It was, I, I couldn't even. I was just like, um, Jesus loves you. <laughs> but what if I were about to share with you something that will top any gift underneath the tree this year? Because Jesus is the gift not everybody wants, but everybody needs. Will you pray with me one more time before we get into the message? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you sent your son as a baby, Father, so that we may have peace through him. We may have life through him, joy and happiness. Father, we thank you that, um, that you came down to earth to right the wrongs and make a way for your people. So, Father, as we dive into the message, I pray that uh, our hearts be opened to your word to receive this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's set the stage for what I'm about to talk about. I want to give you some context so we can truly revel in God's goodness and His glory through all of His coming promises. So today we're going to be talking about, like it says up there, the Prince of Peace. And we will be looking in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. So if you are reading along and you want to read along with us, um, you can turn there now. We'll, we'll dive in there in a second. And uh, for those who don't have a Bible or don't have a device that has the Bible on it, uh, Wi-Fi is free. You can download it. Um, and otherwise, they're going to be up on the screen. But we'll get to that in just a second. So if you're not familiar with Isaiah, he was one of the major prophets in the Bible. So he was uh, called by God to deliver the message to the Israelites. So to deliver God's message to Israel for their welfare. Israel, as much like today, was rebellious. Uh, it had a hard time believing God's promises. And those who didn't believe God, they mocked God and mocked the people that actually did believe in God. So you can't wash away the Old Testament as old and irrelevant. It's just like today. 
Isaiah warned Jerusalem if they continued in their rebellious ways, again, warning, same like we are today, if we continue in our rebellious ways, it'll come at a cost. But only for Jerusalem, they would be destroyed by neighboring armies, Assyria and Babylon. Thank, thankfulness, thankfully, that uh, that's not going to happen here in Nova Scotia. We're not going to be destroyed by New Brunswick. But along with warnings against Israel for their sin and rebellious ways came a message of hope with new depth that would carry on for centuries after Isaiah's passing. It's believed that Isaiah's ministry ran from about 740 B.C. to 690 B.C. So everything that was predicted about Jesus and his birth happened over 700 years before his birth. So let's dive into the Bible. Um, we're going to look at Isaiah 9 and the first, just the first two verses. And it says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he was brought into contempt for the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in a latter time he has made glorious the ways of the sea, of the land beyond Jordan, Galilee, of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So, what are we, what, what is this passage talking about here? Who is she or her? And why is she in gloom? Isaiah is talking about the promised land of Israel. They have been in conflict for almost the whole time they've been there. They have, um, they have a very fruitful land. So I'm going to get the map that up here. I've, I've gotten a map so we can kind of understand where we're going and what Jesus is talking about. So as you can see, up here are the lands... Zebulun and Naphtali. That's in the northern region of Israel. So this is the southern kingdom of Judah. And all this, if, if it was topographical, you could see right here where that river, and that's the Dead Sea and the Sea and Sea Galilee, and the, Mediter uh, the River Jordan, sorry, and Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. All that would be running in. It would be coming in. So on, they're on top of a hill, and it's fruitful land. And up here, or right over here, so way over in the curtains, um, is desolate desert. There's nothing. So everything that would come in would come in from the top or from underneath. Because it was like the trade route. It was good land. It was fruitful. And you can always see why people wanted it. It was, it was, a, it was the promised land. It was a land of milk and honey. So, and why, why is he saying they're in conflict? Well, we need to go back to the Abrahamic covenant where uh, we're in Genesis uh, chapter 15, verse 18. And it says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. 
This is the land that uh, you'll see uh, back on the map in a second. Um, is the promised land of Abraham. So all that was the promised land of Abraham. And from there, Isaac was promised in Genesis 26, 3 to 5. I will be with you and you will be blessed. Um, you will be blessed you for you and to your offspring. I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to you, your offspring, all these lands, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then Isaac had a son named Jacob, and from Jacob's offspring, there were the 12 tribes. So back up on the map. I'm not going to dwell on a lot of it, because Steve spoke about this um, at the beginning of the month, so I don't really need to go back and get into a whole lot of history and bog down in it. But I just want you to see up top, like I said, there is Zebulun, and then Naphtali, and they were always in turmoil because a lot of that would come from the, from the north, and they'd basically be the first ones to get punched in the face. <laughs> so they would always be in war, because that's where the, the neighboring army, Assyria, would come from, would be the north. But now you can see where Isaiah is going, as I explained in verse 1 and 2, a little further. We can go, as, we're, as I showed you just on the map, the northern part of the kingdom is Zebulun and Naphtali, and the northern part was often first attacked. So you can see why they were distressed. You can see why they were in gloom. They were oppressed. They were down. It'd be hard to believe that God was going to come through for you. Also, Isaiah used the word darkness. And darkness uses, is used a lot in the Bible. It holds many connotations, such as being oppressed. Darkness also refers to prison. So if you go back a few weeks, we talked about, um, we talked about being oppressed. We talked about being in prison in a hole and, and, and Jacob being thrown into a hole in a pit and he was in darkness. So it refers to prison. And it also, darkness would refer to, in the, as they would refer to in the Old Testament, Sheol. And Sheol is another word for hell. So darkness holds a very strong meaning in the Bible. Because light holds an even stronger meaning. That's why they, it's, it has such a, a great reference here. But doesn't the beginning of this passage of Isaiah sound so familiar? We tend to see people walking around today with no hope. Moping like Jesus never came as a baby to live on the earth so that we could have a direct link to God and never died on the cross to defeat sin. They mope like there's nothing for them. And that holds true in Isaiah's time. But let's look at what Isaiah is saying as he's pointing the people to the light that is coming. Even though, even through, um, even though Zebulun and Naphtali are walking in the darkness, Isaiah is pointing them to the light. There is a horizon on the way, and the light of the world is going to be shining through. And the light, that light is Jesus Christ. 
the Prince of Peace. It's so simple. One of the first gifts Isaiah talks about is light. A light is being shown. Like it says in Ephesians um, chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord, or you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So in that verse, it's talking about a lot that has to do with Isaiah. It's it, don't be in the darkness. The Lord's here, but this is in the New Testament. The Lord's here. Walk in his light. Can I say to you today, can I, can I encourage you in that today to walk in the light? Can I encourage you to walk in the light of the Lord? Because secondly, after Isaiah presents the gift of, of light, he refers to joy. Because the joy, because he refers to joy because the light will bring joy. In the light will bring joy. So we're going to go back into Isaiah and uh, we'll read through verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So I'm going to jump ahead to Matthew um, 4, verses 12 to 14. And it says, this is where, this is where Jesus actually began his ministry. So his adult ministry has done nothing yet he hasn't even called his disciples. So this is Jesus before his ministry has started as an adult. So let's, let's look at verse 12, and it says, Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, so this is John the Baptist, uh, his, and um, he withdrew into Galilee, and is leaving Nazareth, Nazareth he, went to, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun, Naphtali. So in the worst part of Israel, the doom and gloom of Israel is where Jesus decided to start his ministry. This is where Jesus decided the light needed to come. So I'm going to continue on in 14. It says, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. In verse 15 and 16, it, it's going to directly quote Isaiah 9, um, and we've talked about that already, so let's skip to 17, and here's where Jesus starts to talk. So from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Finally, joy is here. Finally, the light has come. That's what he's saying. 
finally, I am here. Because when the light comes, joy follows. When we have light in the world, the world in us, joy flows out of us. How hard do you think it is, or it was, I should say, for God's people in Israel to accept the gift of light and joy? How hard do you think it was? It's easier for us now because we, we have a book full. We see things every day. It's easy for us. But they had over 700 years, 700 years to wait for this light to come. And within that 700 years, there's 400 years of silence. No one was prophesying. There was silence. So how hard do you think, that's why, why do you think Israel was so doom and gloom, on the, especially in the north when he was referring to Zebulun and Naphtali? They have been overtaken by Assyria and Babylon. And God held them accountable for Israel accountable for their actions through those ungodly people. Yeah, so I can see Israel having a hard time with the gift of light and joy. But Isaiah knows that. Isaiah knows they're going to have a hard time with that. So he's going to intensify with the Prince of Peace. He's going to intensify what he's going to do for us our chosen nation. So can we continue on in verse 4 and 5 in Isaiah? And it says, For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod for his, of his oppressor, you have broken as the day of Midian. For every boot trampling warrior in battle, battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So, he's, Isaiah's referring to a lot of powerful, powerful imagery. Um, have you ever lifted a yoke? And for those who don't know what a yoke is, it's, it's something that marries two large animals together to do work. So, Sean, have you, ever, have you got a yoke? Have you had a yoke? You ever lifted one? Never lifted one? Dang, here's my one. <laughs> Who here has lifted a yoke? Steve has. Okay, so they're heavy. Are they heavy? Are they meant to break easy? No. Are they meant to twist? No. Are they meant to bend? No. It's two large mammals, two large animals, oxen, horses, whatever, that are going to do work together. So you think a child is going to break that? Do you think a child, let alone, is going to lift that? No, Isaiah is saying he's going to shatter it. That is the impossible thing that Isaiah was trying to tell them, that, that Israel was going to escape the Assyrians' oppression. But Isaiah reminded Israel of the Midian army. So back in the time of Gideon, when God provided the blueprint of how 
of how God would provide victory in the future. So he had to remind them of the past so they could see the future. So back in the time of Gideon, the people of Israel sinned and were rebellious. What do you know? Seems like history is repeating itself again and again and again. God sent the Midianites to discipline them. Sounds familiar. Okay, we're going to move on. When God chose Gideon's army, it wasn't like he was picking the biggest to the smallest. Like, if I was choosing an army, I'd be picking the biggest guy down and working my way down if I only had a small amount of people to choose from. Or I'd be picking the most rugged, broad shoulder guy out there that looked like he was going to tear uh, a bear's head off. Like, you want someone that's going to look mean and nasty. Nope, God said, here's how I want you to pick them. How they drink water. What? No, no, pick them how they drink their water. God, is, is, that, is that you up there? No, pick them how they drink water. He wanted, them to, he wanted to pick them whether they cupped the water or leaned down and, and slurped it up. That's how you're picking your people. Okay. So Gideon, <laughs> like you can just imagine what's running through his mind. But the point was, is Gideon didn't need the biggest to the smallest, the most rugged, the ugliest looking guy out there to scare the rest of them away. God wanted Gideon to be obedient. God wanted Gideon to listen to him. He said, it didn't matter who you pick. It really doesn't. Because the victory came through God's hand, not their hand. It was God who brought this victory on. So all Gideon's army needed to do was have 300 people who could play a trumpet. And then the Midianites, they ran, they turned their swords on themselves, and they were gone. And they had their promised land back. And hallelujah, joy and light came back. Freedom. See, Isaiah was using this metaphor to symbolize the struggle that Israel has already gone through and come out on the other side. So I'm using this symbol to just let you guys hear the struggle that they've gone, gone through and have come out on the other side. So I want to challenge you with that today. Israel has been in the yoke of oppression before. That's nothing new. I'm sure English teachers are correcting my grammar right now as I speak too. But that's nothing new. <laughs> but what is new is how God is going to take them out of this time, through a baby. God gave the Israelites the gift of freedom and peace before, but are they willing to accept it again? See, the same boasts true for today. What yoke of oppression are you under? What yoke is holding you back what yoke is not allowing you to walk forward? See, because when you're yoked up with something that's not allowing you to move forward, it'll either stall you or drag you back to where you came from. See, because when you accept the gift of light, God's joy shines through you. 
Tough times come and tough times go. But, this is a big but, when God's joy lives in you, it shatters your yoke of oppression. And freedom and peace reign in your life. Isaiah has reminded Israel of the things of the past so they could be prepared for the things that are yet to come. Because it's easy to stand up here and preach joy, peace, freedom. But when you have nothing to hope in, they just seem like empty promises. God needed Israel to know how the gift of light joy, peace, and freedom were going to be delivered. So we're going to read the rest of the passage, verse 6 and 7. And it says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall, stand, uh, shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Can we just say those names together? Because they have power. They have power. They really do. Can we read those together? Would you read them with me, please? We're going to start at Wonderful Counselor. So, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That has power in those names, isn't it? That feels, feels the joy. Feel the peace in those names. I'm going to continue on in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and others over the kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen? The greatest gift that anyone could give is the birth of a child. Is it not? Thank you to all the ladies who have. Because <laughs> I know I'm a wimp. The life of a baby not only blesses the parents who receive the child, but all those in who are in proximity. Um, I like to talk about my kids. I mean, I have three. They've blessed me immensely. Um, my daughter has stolen my heart. And uh, even when she's mean and nasty to me, I still, I, I just, you know... I can't help it sometimes. Because she, she's a two-year-old and she has an attitude. But, I mean, not only does she bless us as parents, or our boys, they bless us as, as, our, as, our parents, as their parents, but they bless the people who are around them. Just by being there, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the surrogate aunts and uncles that you know, we call as a family, a church family, but they bless us. 
And, you know, that, that affects a small pocket of, of people. Because life is a gift, and the birth that we're going to talk about didn't affect a small group of people. But this birth affected billions and billions of people. Not M, B, billions. When Jesus was born, there was a lot of expectations put on him. There were people who were waiting for a savior for hundreds and thousands of years. You can go back all the way to Genesis when, when the fall of man occurred. They were waiting for someone to fix their mess because they couldn't do it. And when we run all the way back up to Isaiah's time, huge leap, they were waiting for a king. They were waiting for a king from the line of David, a righteous king that would tilt the scales in their favor, the favor of his people, of God's people, a king that would free them finally and give them peace. Yet in Isaiah's passage, we read here today, we're putting all, they're putting all their hopes in a baby. In Isaiah's prophecies, when he says the prince of peace is coming, it was far greater than the people could imagine in that day. I'm going to quote the Gospel Project here when it says, the term peace is not used to describe the mere absence of war in the Old Testament. Rather, peace is a state of ultimate fullness of creation that reflects God's goodness. In other words, it is a future state to be accomplished at a new heaven and a new earth. With the four cups Isaiah described, the Son of God, God's perfect reign in justice and righteousness. During his earthly ministry, Jesus demonstrated his unsurpassing righteousness in the full obedience to his Father. We can talk about light and joy. That's easy. We like the idea of freedom and peace. We don't like to hear his justice and righteousness. Those can be hard pills to swallow. We want justice when it's just for us. That's when we want justice. We want to be just. We want, to, we want whoever did wrong to us to pay for it. That's when we want justice. <clears throat> but when we've done the wrong, or someone we loved has done, has done the wrong, we don't want to talk about that. No. Can I, can I bargain with you? I don't, want, I don't want to deal with that. Can we just brush that over? Let's point the finger at someone else that did worse than me. Please, get the, get the spotlight off of me. Or even worse, when we have a loved one who has not accepted the Prince of Peace and God has to be just with them. That's a hard pill to swallow. But that's not what God wants. God doesn't want that. God sent us Jesus for everything we need. 
I'm going to ask the band to come up because they're going to have one more song they're going to play. Jesus, is Jesus everything we want? Or do we want it on our own terms? It's not on our terms, but it's on God's terms. He has set the plan for us. He has delivered us a child as a gift. God has set the Prince of Peace on his throne so that we may be in God's authority and live in his freedom forever so that one day the Messiah can return and set up his eternal, unshakable, unbreakable kingdom. Amen? That doesn't sound... Doesn't that not sound like a a great gift to be giving? I mean, you, you can be bringing Christmas cheer for all to hear by buying someone that Xbox One or that PlayStation or the Apple Watch or the newest iPhone X that they decide to come out with. But if you're too afraid to mention the name of Jesus Christ then to those you love, then this is all for nothing. You're setting them up for a comfy, temporary life. If you know Jesus Christ and you have accepted him as your personal savior, and you are too afraid to mention his name to the ones you love because you don't want to ruin Christmas, I think you've missed the point here today. The Prince of Peace has come. The Prince of Peace has already been here. He has come. So that the world can have light. The world can have joy. The world can have freedom. The world can have peace. The world can have righteousness. And the world can have justice. Is that not a gift worth sharing? So as the band is going to play that one more song, I'm going to come back up and wrap things up in a second. But I want to challenge you right now. I want to challenge you in this moment as you decide to worship the Prince of Peace. Have someone on your mind that has yet to accept that gift of the Prince of Peace. I want you to be meditating on that. I want you to be praying for them. I want you to be praying that God is going to bring them to you and that you have an opportunity to share the greatest gift. They may not want it, but they need it. So in that time, if, if this is something that's new to you and you haven't heard this before and this is something that you decide, I need this gift, and you come with someone, all you need to do is, is accept that gift. If you've come by yourself, then I'll be up here and I can pray with you. But I want you to pray right now for an opportunity. God is going to give you to share that gift.
Peace should be a hallmark of, God, of a godly person. First, because it's a godlike trait. God is called the God of peace several times in the New Testament. He took the initiative to establish peace with rebellious men. And he is the author of both personal peace as well as peace among men. Peace should be a part of our character also because God has promised us his peace because he's commanded us to let peace rule in our lives and relationships. And because peace is a fruit of the Spirit and therefore an evidence of his work in our lives. That was a quote from Jerry Bridges. I... I found that in, in, in the Gospel Project, and I thought it was just kind of a nice way to wrap that all together. But we are talking about the gift of the Prince of Peace. This is why we celebrate and share at Christmas. We celebrate the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. All who eagerly desire God's peace in a hostile, rebellious world. When Jesus the Messiah returns for the second time, he will bring our ultimate peace with him. But that does not mean that Jesus is the prince of future peace. Jesus is the peace of right now. So I'm going to end with a quote from Steve. We met on Friday, we are talking, and, I, and he just blurted this out, and I thought, ah, I'm going to use that. What makes Christmas wonderful? He said, Jesus does. And I think that wraps it up pretty nicely, don't you? So I pray you leave here today not feeling battered or beaten that you've got a job to do, but I pray that you leave here uplifted pray that you leave here full of his peace. I pray that you leave here full of God's hope for a promise that is yet to come. I pray that the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you to share the gift of Jesus is here. So you guys just stand and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your son here so that, way, that we may truly understand your gift of, Prince, of the Prince of Peace. And Father, we pray that um, as we go about our, our lives over this holiday season, Father, that you give us an opportunity to share your wonderful message, share about your wonderful son, who came here so that we may have freedom and peace, righteousness, justice, light, and joy. And Father, that's, that's not a gift just for us in this room, but that's a gift for this whole entire world. Father, I pray that the opportunities come and you give us the wisdom and the guidance and the strength to carry on those conversations. Father, I, I pray that um, we are able to just enjoy this holiday season as, as a family. 
And Father, in that we don't lose sight as to what is important. We never lose sight that, that you came to right the wrongs. You came so that we can have a direct link to you, Father, through your Son and his death on the cross for us. So Father God, I just, I thank you for this time that we've had together just to celebrate your love. And Father, I pray all these things be lifted up in your name, in your son's name, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Amen.